What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Dwight Chocolate Podcast. We got a lot to talk about. We're breaking down the Southeast Division, the last division in our in the Eastern Conference for our NBA preview. Plus, we're talking about the 500,000 that just got fined to the Los Angeles Lakers. I'll share my thoughts on that. Just um, a little tickle. A little tickle. Yep, it definitely tickles. Um, maybe. We'll see. That's an understatement <laughs> for sure. But um, first... I got a quick trivia question for you, Sean. Who do you think is going to be lighting up the dance floor this fall on Dancing with the Star? A hint, they're a former Lakers starter. Ooh, a starter. Oh, man, I haven't seen Dancing in the Stars in such a long time. Uh, I'm going to go with Metal World Peace. Metal World Peace. That's a good guess, but no, it's actually Derek Fisher. A- Derek Fisher? Derek Fisher. What a fall oh. for Derek Fisher. He goes from being a promising head coach in one of the biggest markets in the NBA to now being a Dancing with the Stars contender. <laughs> hey, man, I've, I've heard they've had some pretty good people on that show, some very famous names. Yeah, they definitely have, but uh, what are your, what do you think the odds are that Derek Fisher wins this thing? Oh, man, from what I remember, the athletes usually do pretty well in that show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put him in, like, I think he'll finish, like, top five. Top five? Wow. Yeah. What do you think the chances are that Matt Barnes shows up in the crowd and throws a tomato at him? <laughs> oh, that's, he'll do more than that. <laughs> that's actually very dangerous for Fisher. Now he's disclosed exactly where he is in the world. Matt Barnes can find him really easily. Yeah. Once a week, Matt Barnes will know exactly where Derek Fisher is going to be. <laughs> so I got another trivia question for you. Um, Ooh, all right. But I won't gi- I'm not going to give you that answer until we get head into the into our division preview of the Southeast. But the question is, who was a Rookie of the Year winner whose rookie extension was not picked up? A Rookie of the Year winner. And this is a recent player? Recent player. They're still an active oh, okay. player. So they just got off their rookie contract. Yes. Huh. That's a tough one. It's a tough one. But I'll reveal the answer in a little bit. But first, Sean, do you have half a million dollars hanging around? Uh, let me check my bank account real quick. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> but apparently Magic Johnson does because he told Jenny Buss that to take it out of his bank account for the charges um, or for the fine that the NBA is fining the Los Angeles Lakers for these tampering charges that the Indiana Pacers um, alleged that the Lakers did. Uh, but the bottom line is that that whole investigation is now over. And it turns out that Robert Palenka did have some illegal contact with Paul George's agent while Paul George mm. was still under contract. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say whether this happens a lot in the NBA or not. I feel like, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week and even the week before, that there's probably a lot of talking that goes on that's not technically legal in the NBA when you have guys signing contracts at midnight, mm-hmm. uh, the first day of free agency. Um, but, I mean, if you get caught, you get caught, and... A five hundred thousand dollar fine in the NBA is for an organization. It's pretty small. Yeah. When you think of it, could have been five million. Right, and that's that's sort of what I was thinking. I mean, obviously, yeah, five hundred half a million dollars is a lot of money for anybody. But if Magic Johnson is willing to just straight up say, "Hey, just take head of my bank account. I'll pay for it." Obviously, yeah. And when you put it into into perspective, like that is a nom- a really small amount. So it just makes it seem even more petty. That, that this even happened and yeah i gotta say i'm i'm glad that this didn't end up being any bigger than what it is because 
uh, earlier today, the Indiana Pacers said that they weren't going to go any further because they did threaten that they probably they possibly could have taken this to court. Um, but luckily, they're not going to do that. So the so the whole thing just ends here. But it just still seems really ridiculous that this was even something that came up. And I'll give you one big reason why. So <laughs> for the NBA to have found this to be true or like true enough to where they actually set a fine for the Los Angeles Lakers, you have to assume one thing. And, the, and that assumption is that NBA players can't think for themselves. Aww. You got to say that Paul George was happy in an Indiana Pacer uniform. He was not aware that he was an appended, that he was a pending free agent. He was also not aware that the Los Angeles Lakers had cap room to sign him to a max deal once his contract was over and that it took a phone call from Paul from Rob Palenka, I mean, or a phone call from Magic Johnson to convince him that Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Lakers is a destination that he wants to be in. Yeah, and, very true. <laughs> and I, and that is a ridiculous assumption. Like I mentioned early in the earlier episode of our podcast, in our pre- previous episode, that Paul George is a native of Southern California. He grew up in Palmdale, went to college at Florida State in Cal or Fresno State in California. Grew up watching the Los Angeles Lakers. So why does it seem like such a ridiculous idea that he could possibly want to come back home and be an NBA star in Los Angeles? I don't know, man. I don't think I'm crazy here. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think the point here is that it's not that he didn't want to go to L.A. and he couldn't have thought about that on his own. Is that the Pacers are just upset that he didn't want to stay. Yep. And so it really boils down to we feel like we've been wronged in some way and we deserve some compensation. Kind of similar to how the Cavs asked for extra compensation in the Boston trade for Kyrie Irving. It's mm-hmm. like, sure, they, they only ended up with a 2020 second rounder, but in the same way, they just feel like they won in the end because they got a little something for it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like, I can definitely see that side. Like, it's just disheartening to see such a good player just sort of leave your team because you're not guaranteed to ever get a player like that again. But at the same time, right. that's business is business. You know, you, what, like what you just saw go down with Isaiah Thomas in the Boston Celtics. Isaiah Thomas, a great player, but... The Celtics saw an opportunity to trade him for for somebody that they saw more valuable, so they did it. Right. What are you gonna yeah, do? And the Lakers get away with a little flick on the wrist. Luckily, no draft picks were taken. Uh, nothing insurmountable that they can't overcome. Five hundred thousand dollars, no big deal. Right. I'm glad to see that that's over, but at the same time. Oh man, that just kind of made me a little angry. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm sure as a Laker fan, that that's gotta like at least irk you a little bit, like. No matter like how involved you are with like all the front office stuff or whatever. Yeah, I mean it just it's sort of like they keep trying to paint the Los Angeles Lakers as like these villains, as like the model of of what it's of the bad guy in professional sports. Like the franchise <laughs> that has money and just steals all these players, which is not the entire story. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's been it's been well over what, it's been seven years since we've made the playoffs. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, can you just leave us alone, man. Just leave us alone. <laughs> no, we have to keep you down. Yeah. Just keep them all the way down. Yeah, but moving on from that, um, I was actually kind of a little disappointed to hear these this news today. Um, CBS Sports came out saying that two sources close to them said that the Memphis Grizzlies consider Marcus Sol untouchable. And the reason wow. I say that a little bit disappointing is because I thought Marcus Sol could have been one of those possible targets that the Cleveland Cavaliers go after um, and trade that Brooklyn first pick for and maybe bring some help for LeBron James. 
to take out those evil guys in the east in the bay <laughs> in the bay that you live in right now yeah <laughs> you're just a sleeper agent yeah yeah i think that's really interesting that they consider him untouchable i think it speaks a lot to the loyalty of the grizzlies organization to him mm-hmm. um even though he's not in his prime necessarily anymore they're willing to keep him there even if they have no chance of really winning the West, let yeah. alone a championship. Um, but he's given a lot to that franchise, and um, I don't. I think they see him as a face of it, and they don't want to let him go. I can respect that. Yeah, definitely, I can see that. Also, fun fact here: Marcus Ole actually went to high school in Memphis, so the guy has has oh, been really? in Memphis since his teenage years, and now he's a thirty-two year old man, and he's still there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it sounds like he probably has like a family there too. If like he's been living there his whole life. Right. What do you think the chances are that maybe Memphis changes their mind come, I don't know, come February closer to the trade deadline and they're 10 games out of the out of the eighth seed? Mm, yeah, like just totally out of playoff contention. Yeah. Uh, I'd still put it at like a 30% that they trade him, 70% he stays. Um, I, I don't know. I think a guy like Marcus All, it's going to take a lot to pry him from the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. especially, especially after hearing that they think he's untouchable. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it'll, there'll be, it'll be pretty rare to see a team give a package that Memphis thinks is worthy of the value that Marcus all gives to their franchise. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it's very likely. I agree with you. I mean, you're Memphis, you're a small market team. I guess even if you're out of playoff contention, you still got to sell basketball tickets at the end of the day. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I don't injured part and injured, Chandler Parsons isn't going to sell basketball tickets. Oh, and, man, that guy. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Mike Conley, I love Mike Conley, but if he's the only guy there and and you trade away Marcus Saul, then you're destined to just hit the bottom of the West Western standings. Oh, yeah. And alongside your ticket sales with that. Yeah, because Memphis already isn't a big city team. Right. So... All right, moving on from there. John Wall says he's the best two-way player in the game. So, I mean, you already <laughs> I've already mentioned how I feel about the idea of being a the best two-way player. I think if you say you're the best two-way player, you got to be saying that you're the best player. Yeah, we yeah, we went over this when uh when Michael Jordan at the kids camp said that Kawhi was the best two-way player. Yeah, and we both came to the to the conclusion that you're just saying you're the best player in the game at that point. Right. Cause if, since his, yeah. Cause if since his the, name's not LeBron, then he's not. Yeah, exactly. I got to say that. Yeah. We got to shoot that down pretty quickly. John Wall. We're sorry, <laughs> but yeah, I don't agree. You're the best two way player in the game. There's a lot of guys put Kawhi Leonard over him, put Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Anthony yeah, Davis. Definitely. I mean, yeah, if you say you're the best two way player, you're essentially saying you're, I mean, yeah, you're the best offensive and defensive player or you're, pretty damn good at both and i guess that automatically makes you the best player in the league i would say <laughs> yeah definitely but yeah i mean i, I see john wall as like a top five player potential mm. um he's in the conversation for sure i wouldn't necessarily put him in there as like a no-brainer yeah yeah it's definitely i mean he should be he's getting closer to reach at that peak age of 27 28 26 when guys usually show their best usually have their best season so that's coming up, so let's see what John Wall can throw down this season. And that sets us up perfectly to head into our, our preview of the Southeast Division, the last division in the Eastern Conference. So we started off in the capital, in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., with the Wizards. 
So here we go. What, who are some of the new additions that they added, Sean? Let's see. So we we got some some small fries here with uh, Tim Frazier and Jody Meeks being added to the team. And departing, we got Bojan Bogdanovic, Trey Burke, and Brandon Jennings. Wow. So not much movement there to speak of, really. The big the big signing that they had during the offseason was giving Otto Porter all the money he could have ever dreamed of. Right. That was a victory for that man and his and his team and his family. Like that the size of that contract. Um kind of ridiculous. Maybe more than John Wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, but I mean that's that's just the time go, go I mean, perfect timing for you. You know, your contract expires and apparently people have money to give away now. Yeah, so I I've been doing a lot of fantasy football drafts lately. And I'm doing like the auction format and it's kind of I feel like it's the same as the auction format where with this restricted free agency for Otto Porter, like the Nets just made this crazy bid and Washington just had to like, had to match it to yeah. keep him. Like, like they really wanted this player. It's like, I really want this fancy football player, mm-hmm. but like you have to pay a lot for him. And so they ended up overpaying for him because someone else was willing to call their bluff, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the name of the game. You just, you just got to do it. And, I mean, look, at first, initially, I thought it wasn't very smart. But now that I'm looking at it, I, I think, like, if you're Washington, I guess why not? You know, John Wall's on the verge of potentially hitting his peak. So is Bradley Beal. Um, and I guess this goes into the what I consider the storyline to watch with this team is when you say when people say that somebody gets lucky, what they, what it really means is it's just somebody is prepared to take advantage of, of an opportunity that gets presented to them. And I think. The Washington Wizards can be the lucky team out of the East, save Boston loses Kyrie Irving or Al Harford to some injury, or the Cavaliers and Isaiah Thomas just don't really end up meshing well. Like maybe the Wizards take advantage of that and end up coming out as the second seed and going all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, that'd be really surprising. I mean, as it stands right now, I mean, I think you're in agreement with this. I have them finishing as either the third or the fourth in the East. Like mm-hmm. pretty much interchangeable with the Raptors. Both teams look almost identical to how they looked last year. Mm-hmm. Um, that X factor really is gonna be Otto Porter. Yeah. Like, can he prove he's worth twenty four million a year? That's, I mean, probably not. Let's be <laughs> real. He probably isn't. But like, how close can he get to being worth that much? Yeah. Can he average eighteen points a game? Can he be that reliable third guy for them? I don't know. It's like it's so hard to tell at this point. Right, there's going to be pressure on him as well just cuz I mean, I'd I'd put pressure on him because Bradley Beal has kind of been a sort of inconsistent and not because a lot of his, his own falls, just injuries have kind of plagued him. Um so there'll be times in this season where the Washington Wizards are going to want to take that next step and they're going to that some of that scoring load is going to fall on Odor Porter if Bradley Beal isn't there. So and I mean I think that's that was some of the Washington Wizards thinking, and that's why they went and pulled the trigger and re-signed him for that amount of money. Yeah, and they also were probably thinking they weren't going to get anyone else big this off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they didn't get yeah, they didn't get any of the really big free agents. Yeah, uh, they really only gave money to Porter, so they felt like they had to do something. Right. So I have them finishing fourth in the East. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I mean. It's pretty much a tie for third with me. Like the Raptors might get one more win than them. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, is there what other storylines do you think there is to watch on this team? Uh, do we see John Wall make any more leaps? Is is he reached his prime, or is he is he still got a lot in the tank? I think he's, Does he has some tricks. I think he's still got a little bit more up his sleeve. I think he can still do more in this league. I uh, just okay. listening to the listening to some of the things he shoots out on Twitter. I'm calling out Ronnie 2K for the 2K rating. I mean, Mr. John yeah. Wall, if you don't want to be a 90, you got to go out there and perform and become a 95. And if he <laughs> if he performs like a 95 2K rating, then he's in the conversation for being a top five player in the yeah. league. I, I just go back and like if Isaiah Thomas finished fifth in the MVP voting, I kind of wonder why. Jo- I mean, John Wall must be looking at that. And I mean, I'm looking at it and I'm wondering why can't he get in there? And I think that's a storyline to follow. Can John Wall break into that and get into the MVP conversation at some point in this season? Or at least yeah. make for a good part? It's interesting. John Wall, like, there's no doubt he's an amazing player. But he doesn't come off as that superstar personality mm-hmm. yet. Quite yet. I think he's starting to. Having a little bit of sass on social media, like tweeting at Ronnie 2K, saying he's the best two-way player in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he's starting to come out of his shell a little bit. I think in his earlier years, he was just very quiet, went about his business, and he's become a really great basketball player. But he just doesn't—he doesn't have that it factor. I don't yeah. know. You kind of get what I'm saying. It's like he just doesn't seem like the dynamic superstar that you'd want to be, like the guy that's going to win you a championship. Right. I, agree. I and I would say part of that might have been that that he was playing for for the Washington Washington Wizards and for. I mean, for a long time, the Wizards have sort of been like one of those below-the-radar franchises. But, I mean, Giannis has been able to propel himself into the national conversation. Us, Giannis is a freak as well, but right. I yeah. think John Wall can do it if he just if he really just goes out there and lets his game speak. Um, and he's got to take it to that next level, go out there, maybe get 27, 27-7, get a couple triple-doubles. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like he always just is really great. Like he's never like crazy, insanely good. And he, he like doesn't have these games where he goes off and you're like, wow, like John Wall might be the best player in the game. Mm-hmm. Like you see that in you see that in moments with guys like Russell Westbrook and James Harden and LeBron and even Kawhi. It's like you see these guys and you're like, yeah, I could definitely make an argument for this guy being the best player in the NBA. But John Wall just seems like he's on that second tier. Yeah, like I... he's never he's never like reached that first tier yet. Yeah, I agree. I'd say he's like top top fifteen, top twenty. Again, maybe top fifteen is a little generous, but I think top fifteen is reasonable. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, and I I I I don't see any reason why he can't break into that top ten, top five conversation at some point in this season, or if not for a good part of it. Um, he's been fairly consistent and healthy. And like I said, he's yeah. he's turning more. He's getting closer to that age of twenty seven, twenty eight, when most guys have some of their better seasons. So, see where it goes. Yeah, what kind of odds do you give them to beat either the Celtics or the Cavs in the playoffs? Hmm. Not very good odds. I don't see them <laughs> beating the Cavaliers. I can see them pushing the Celtics to six games, but then ultimately they'll lose that six game. Um. Okay. But I mean, if I threw it down to a percentage, I'd say, I'd say I have like a twenty, twenty, twenty-five percent chance of beating the Cavs. Maybe thirty-five percent of beating the Celtics. A little bit better. Okay. But like I said, it's gonna take it's gonna take a little bit of luck if they are. 
Um, yeah, definitely. And they just got to be ready if that opportunity comes up. Like I said, Isaiah Thomas doesn't mesh well with the Cavaliers or he ends up just losing the whole season or Al Hallford goes down. Kyrie Irving's not meshing well with that team over there. They, yeah, then so that, basically you're saying it would take an injury to make this a fair fight. Right, injury or something. I mean, the, the Celtics would have mm-hmm. to be going into the seri- into the into the series like a man down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we. Yeah, we're not hoping for that, but. Yeah. Yeah. So moving south, cool. we go to South Beach, Miami. What are some of these? Taking our talents to South Beach. Yeah, I wish. I wish that we could do our podcast down there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. no, not right now. There's like a hurricane headed there. Oh yeah, that's true. That's right. You got the hurricane down there. What are the, some of these big new additions that Miami Heat have cooked up? Uh, well, they got they got a few interesting guys. Uh, they drafted Bam Adebayo, uh, rookie center, uh, with uh, one of the later picks in the first round. And then they got Kelly Olynyk on a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they only lost Josh McRoberts. Um, so they retained pretty much the exact same team, uh, similar story to the Wizards. Um, it's okay. Not really trying to make too many splashes. I was just going to say, it's always so interesting when you break these teams down and you realize that there's guys that you, you could have, like I could have sworn Josh McRoberts had been out of this league for a couple years now, but I didn't realize <laughs> he was still on the Miami Heat roster. Yeah, I think he was on the Pacers for a while. And he's just, he's bench warmer primarily. I mean, he I, he was a huge phenom in college. Like everyone was raving about him and then he just turned into nothing. Yeah, how how odd that like, yeah that at one point he was like this big guy that they were this big deal that they were able to acquire him. Yeah, crazy. But I mean, yeah, just looking at the additions, um, I'd say they're trending up just because the two guys they got can only really add a little bit of flexibility to their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly Olynyk, the the hero of that uh that game six, yeah, against the Wizards, putting up a big twenty six points in that game, really coming out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think anyone in the Wizards uh, front office or coaching staff was planning a game plan around uh, guarding Kelly Olynyk that game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he showed a lot of potential in that game to really step it up when it counts. So that's a good addition for them. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, they really focused on re-signing a lot of their players. Like I said before, um, from last season, getting Dion Waiters back, uh, really the leader of that team. Uh, four years, fifty-two million, and then uh, James Johnson for four years, sixty million. Uh, guys that just really overachieved when no one really expected much of them. Yeah, I gotta say, like, if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, you gotta just be like scratching your head, like, what the hell happened? Dion Waiters right. has just like come out of the gates and just has really fit in with this team and has really started to shine. Kind of crazy because he's yeah, he was on the Cavaliers. He had all the shots in the world he wanted. Didn't really. <laughs> experienced success there went to oklahoma city played alongside kevin Durant, russell westbrook and was always sort of like the sort of like i guess the bonehead of the team he just turned the ball over <laughs> taking yeah he just made shot. a lot of mistakes yeah so it was good but, for him though yeah definitely i mean well, the only team that really played better than the heat in that second half of last season was the warriors wow yeah, it's like a thirty and eleven record to finish the season is crazy. Like for a team that starts eleven and thirty, like I don't think that's ever happened before. It's like the best turnaround, the best comeback in NBA history, pretty much. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, Deion Waiters was the catalyst of that. He led that team. I mean, his numbers weren't amazing by any means. It was like fifteen point eight points, four rebounds, three assists, but 
the leadership he brought and the the alpha attitude that he brought to the team, I think, was really what brought everyone together. Uh, it was just a team effort all around. Yeah. Um, I wonder um, if it's like if they even need uh, Dwayne Wade back or if they're even thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, not anymore, I don't think. Like, they're thinking they don't need him anymore. They got a solid, deep lineup heading into next season. Uh, you still got Goran Dragic there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Dion Waiters and James Johnson that you just re-signed. Uh, Hassan Whiteside down low. Yeah. And, um, yeah, getting Bam Adebayo to back him up. Kelly Olynyk to back up James Johnson. Um, really, I guess they're only really lacking at small forward. They have Justice Winslow there. He's like a whatever player. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, they got some great depth at a lot of positions, and I definitely see them making the playoffs this year. Miami Heat, we're so looking at it. When you look at looking it up, up and down, I guess the Miami Heat. I'm thinking I'm gonna. I would place them probably in the the six or probably closer to the seven seed. Okay, yeah, I have them at the six seed. Six seed. Yeah, just just ahead of the. Uh, just ahead of the 76ers and the Bobcats. Yeah. See if they, um, if they, so well, yeah, if they get this, well, if they get the seven seater, I see them matching up against the Celtics. So that'd be interesting to see Dion Waiters take down Kyrie Irving, two yeah. former teammates potentially. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it was funny when, when it was rumored that Kyrie had a chance to go to Miami, uh, Waiters' quote was actually, just know there's an alpha male over there in myself. <laughs> so like he dude he's talking big game yeah like he's talking like he's one of the big boys and um i th- I th- really think he's the x factor of this team like are we gonna see his numbers dramatically increase from last year um knowing that he's the guy now with this newfound confidence that he has uh he knows he can ball up now and he knows he can lead a team yeah and yeah it'll be interesting to see how much he can improve yeah, there. That's that's a team right there. Let's see where they where they go. Um, well, let's head out a little bit east to Charlotte, the new home of Dwight Howard. Ah, uh, this is Dwight Chocolate himself. Yeah, Dwight Chocolate. There he is, <laughs> Dwight Chocolate, Dwight Howard. <laughs> this this is an interesting team. The 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 team of Michael Jordan. See what he put together. So he brought in. Dwight Howard, and alongside the answer to the trivia question, Michael oh. Carter Williams. Oh, good. Oh, wow, that's cool. So this is this is an interesting guy to to look at. So Michael Carter Williams, um, drafted by the by the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, one rookie of the year that year. Then was later. Right. Tra- yep. Then was later traded to the Milwaukee Bucks underperformed the bucks were not happy then they shipped him off to chicago where where thoughts were that maybe he could flourish there but again had a tough time fitting in there averaged nine points and and shot or averaged six points and shot uh, not very well 36.6 percent from the field that's not too good not too good so chicago decided not to extend his rookie qualifying offer making him the rookie of the year that did not get his rookie offer extended. Instead, had to settle with one point one million one year deal. Oh no, that's what he has right now. That's what he has. Ooh man, he's got a lot to prove this year. Yeah, so I forgot how good his rookie year was. Yeah, that's a guy that's kind of just like sort of people have forgotten about, and he's got advantages at the point guard position. He stands at six foot six, so I think 
maybe there was just some hype around that but michael carter williams has potential to still do something special on this team he'll be playing backup to kemba walker so right he's got somebody to learn from but i think what's interesting is the trade for dwight howard um he didn't put crazy numbers up 13.5 points and 12.7 rebounds i mean they're solid numbers but far from anything that's close to when dwight howard was a superstar but it'll definitely be something that goes a long way to helping this team out since interior defense was something that they lacked last year. But another interesting thing about them was that they were able to to snap to snap Malik Monk with the 11th pick. That was a good value pick right there. Yeah, a little surprising pick that somehow fell all the way down to them. So see what they do. Um, some of their departures, Marco Bellinelli and Ramon Sessions. And kind of like I mentioned to you earlier, it's... It's sort of funny when you do research for these teams and like you come you you come across names like like Ramon Sessions that I did not know was still playing in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, wasn't he on the Lakers for a little stint? Yeah, he was on the Lakers. God, what must have been well, 2011, I think, or 2000 or 2012. Oh, no, it must have yeah, been 2011. I, yeah, I like vaguely remember him being on the Lakers. He didn't do much there. <laughs> he didn't. We gave up a draft pick for him. I'm not, and Ugh. then he ended up leaving, and now he's just become this NBA journeyman, and yet again he's leaving his his team, um, or didn't get a contract offered to him. But Ramon Sessions, he's still in this league. <laughs> <laughs> so Vegas has this team winning 44 at 44.5 wins. I have him at 42, finishing uh, the sixth seed. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean it's above 500. I think this is above 500 team i mean you have kemba walker there he's great um now you're gonna pair him with a pretty good center albeit he's on the decline yeah um but if he's gonna have a double double uh, you're gonna really need much to be a 500 team in the east yeah i think they're gonna they're, they're definitely gonna do a lot better than last year last year i think they what they finished 12th place or 11th place in the eastern conference yeah they were pretty bad yeah, yeah somehow they they just had a horrible second half to the season, but I mean, Dwight Howard, let's see. He, I can see, I kind of, I wanted to put him as my X factor. And then I also wanted to put Kemba Walker, but I ended up going with somebody else. I ended up going with Michael kid Gilchrist. And oh. this is sort of a guy that's kind of been forgotten a little bit. And a big reason for that is he hasn't really played much since he was drafted, but this is a guy that was part of the NCAA Kentucky national championship team. Oh, that's right. Back, back a couple years ago. Uh, and he's only 23 years old. And like I mentioned, he's he hasn't played much. And here's a stat for you. So in his first three years, he only played 124 games out of 246, basically 50% Oof. of the games. That's really bad. So he's been in this league for three, four years now. Um, but essentially, I kind of think like, I kind of feel like he's really only like a second year NBA player because of the amount of games he's missed. Yeah, true. Yeah, if you're if you're gonna go by games, I mean, 120 games. If you're going into your 125th game going into this season, it's like halfway through a second year, right? Um, and this guy was a former second pick. He's 23 years old. Um, he's got athleticism. The guy can score the ball. He has some trouble shooting, but I think that's something you can definitely develop in the professional game. It's a lot easier to develop that than than most things. So yeah. I think I think there's something there, and if Michael Kidd Gilchrist can come out and perform perform really well, and 
I was reading around and a lot of people had an interesting theory. A lot of people who observed the Charlotte Hornets a lot closer and they were sort of pinpointing that maybe Michael Kidd Gilchrist would be more successful in sort of like a Draymond Green like role as a power forward playing next to Dwight Howard and being that quicker guy who can rebound and start the ball off in transition. Interesting. Yeah. And one storyline to follow with this team, it's simple. Is this going to be Dwight Howard's final stop, or is he going to, oh. or is he going to somehow spoil the milk that is this Charlotte Hornets, oh. <laughs> and have to go somewhere else in his NBA journey? I'm gonna guess that this is not his final stop. I think he's gonna move again one day. Move again? Yeah, maybe take a year or two. I think Max will be with the with this team for two years. Uh, I think he'll still want to play a little bit of basketball, make a little bit of money. And if you're still averaging a double-double at this point, um, you definitely add some value to a team. He'll definitely try to get onto a contender in two years just to be a cheap guy coming off the bench if he's declined that far at that point. I agree. I can see that. I mean, guess anything's possible. I mean, if Kyrie Irving can be a team member on a championship team that made it to the NBA <laughs> finals three years. And then on this fourth year, somehow end up on another team. I guess anything's possible. Right. So yeah, I don't think this is going to be Dwight Howard's final stop. He's going to somehow find his way maybe to a Spurs Jersey or a New York Knicks Jersey in a couple of years. Do you think he does pretty well uh, with this team though, where he's at right now? Uh, I think it's going to entirely be up to him. I don't, I really don't think the Hornets picked him up to try to be some sort of post scorer. I think he's going to play a very similar role as he played in Atlanta. He's simply just going to be expected to rebound the ball and be there to disrupt shots. Okay. So if he's happy with that, then I think he's going to have a, a good time there. Um, if he's not, then he's going to continue having the same problems he's had since he's been in this <laughs> league. Is that he? Right. Yeah. Not happy. As long as he doesn't role. try to pretend to be. As long as he doesn't try to pretend to be like the main feature guy. Yeah. I try. Uh, to... Hopefully, he's gotten past that. Right. He's not going to be Tim Duncan. I hope he's past that. Like he's not going to get the ball in the fourth quarter and score in the post. <laughs> no way. Nope. Yeah. So uh, moving on with the rest of the Southeast Division, we're going to go to the Orlando Magic next. Home of Disney World. Uh, <laughs> yep. A uh, team I've dubbed the Scrub Squad on recent podcasts. Yeah, uh, <laughs> gotta agree let's there. See, let's see who, who, which, what other scrubs they've added uh, during this off season. So we got Jonathan Isaac, a uh, rookie that Mir Allen have almost no intel on. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Simmons, who I think is actually a pretty awesome player. Uh, I was a big fan of his entering last season. Uh, his first game, he scored like twenty points, and then fizzled off. But he's still a pretty cool player to watch. Yep. Um, Aaron Aflalo, uh, he's become quite the NBA journeyman. Uh, Shelvin Mack and uh, Maurice Spates, Maurice all Spates. new, all new Magic members. And departing, we have uh, some more scrubs: Jeff Green, Jody Meeks, and C.J. Watson. Yeah, nothing really. So what, do you, what do you think of these additions? Do you think that they add any value to the Magic on? Uh, not really. It seems like they're just sort of bodies <laughs> that they. They had to develop a 12-man team, so they just brought these guys in. Right. Yep. These guys are bodies. No. <laughs> uh, so right now, though, I have them trending as neutral because, yeah, they're just guys. They didn't lose anything. They didn't gain much. But they do have the potential to try and tank, which might trend them very far down. Yeah, it's going to be a battle for that last place, I think, between them, the Hawks, and the Chicago Bulls. 
But I do right. like that they got Jonathan Simmons. That's I think that's they must have really liked this guy to go off and um convince him to leave the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, and they offered him a pretty nice contract too. Right. Uh, three years, twenty million, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that would be a lot for the Spurs to match, and um, they probably had a lot of money to blow since it's not like they're paying anyone a ton of money on their team. So the Magic were gladly able to give him six to seven million a year. Mm-hmm. And Aaron, uh, but yeah, I was just gonna say, and Aaron Ofala returns back to the Magic for his think it's his second run there yep that's right he's back he, he he was there he didn't do much he went away he didn't do much there now he's back yeah so yeah we'll see if he has any part of this team if he has any uh any vital role but really the x factor it's got to be aaron gordon mm-hmm. yeah this this man talented man second to zach levine in dunk contest in 2016 averaged 12.7 points six rebounds last year pretty mediocre stats if you ask me yeah so uh, for a guy with his size and talent yeah so he was one of those guys that we sort of broke down was entering the final year of his rookie contract and we sort of broke down how much if they had anything to prove and aaron gordon was one of the one of the guys that we both me and you agreed had probably the most to prove out of all these guys entering the final year of their rookie contract right um because he was going to define himself this was going to be the year where he Got to, he has to define himself as what kind of guy in the NBA is he trying to be. Is he going to follow the role of Michael Carter-Williams, who right now signed a very small contract, did not get right. extended, um, even though he started off really high in the league. And Aaron Gordon has a, has had a lot of flash following him since he entered, but that sort of died out as sort of like his stats haven't really shown him to be a very efficient player or a player that you can really count on other than just maybe selling selling seats to your basketball game (laughs) (laughs) right yes i mean aaron gordon like alan said he's got a lot to prove and he's gonna be the guy on this team that all the players are gonna look to as the guy that you pass to in crunch time uh the guy that you're trying to feed the ball and um he's gonna have to step up and uh find some confidence in the nba uh try to be that guy be one of the best players in the nba uh it's gonna be a tough battle for him especially on this team. I think um, this team, as much as any other team that's a low seed in the East, is going to have a very high incentive to tank this year. They've been abysmal for four or five years. Well, actually, ever since Dwight Howard left. Yep. They've been absolute garbage, and they've had draft after draft, lottery after lottery, where they've picked a guy that hasn't amounted to anything and Jonathan Isaac, I mean, I don't know too much about him, but he doesn't seem like a difference maker to me. Um, yeah. So I was going to say, yeah. like, the Orlando Magic seemed to be, like, sort of that example of just because you tank and you get draft picks, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a time frame that you have to wait until you're you're going to be a great team. It, yeah, you have to pick the right guys, too. You have too. to pick the yes. right guys. Uh, it takes a little bit of luck. Like the like you said, the Magic have not been good since Dwight Howard since Dwight Howard left. And unlike a team say like the Brooklyn Nets, like they didn't trade away all their draft picks. In fact, they got they got some in return. Right. Um, yeah. And they just none of them have really played out, or at least in any good way, to take them out of that, take them into at least at, to at least being an eight seed team in the east, in the East. Yeah, like at least making the playoffs, selling some more, selling some more seats in that stadium, but um. I think the storyline to follow here 
it's actually the front office. So they've completely revamped their front office. They fired their old GM and president of basketball operations and brought in two guys that are really well-respected uh, amongst NBA executives, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Weltman and John Hammond. Jeff Weltman's going to be the new president of basketball operations, and John Hammond's going to be the new general manager. Uh, these guys worked together in Detroit with that championship team in 07-08 when, yeah. uh, with the Chauncey Billups uh, and company team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rip Hamilton, Tayshaun Prince, all those guys. Um, so they had a lot of success there, and then they worked in Milwaukee together uh, from 08 to 2013 uh, to build that team into what it is today. Uh, they have a lot of personnel choices that they made there that uh, have made Milwaukee into a great franchise uh, what yeah. it is now. Um, so Orlando brought these guys in, and I think that by bringing in this new front office, they're going to give them a few years to kind of get the franchise back on the right track. And to me, that says that this year is going to be really bad for them, and they're going to try to get a really good draft pick yeah. uh, in next year's draft. So maybe some hope in the distant future for them. Uh, these guys seem well-qualified, but... For the time being, uh, the Magic are just going to have to endure at least a few more years of being mediocre. Yeah. Yep. I mean, just like whenever you somebody new comes in, you always want to... They have no incentive to keep what they've drafted or keep what they've built. They, they're usually willing to just scrap all the pieces and start over. Yeah, completely. Yeah, when you bring in two guys, they have a ton of NBA experience. Uh, they know how all this works. Uh, I'm sure they have a plan. And I'm sure that plan does not involve a lot of the players that are on the team right now. Yeah. So. All right. Well, hopefully the Orlando Magic develops something. But <laughs> at least they're not alone in the bottom because then you got the Atlanta <laughs> Hawks right there with them. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a team that that consciously and most obvious team that kind of made that choice that they're going to tank and they're going to do it. Um, they let <laughs> Paul Millsap left, Tim Hardway, Mike Dunlevy, Buck Dunlevy. They traded Dwight Howard, um, Ryan Kelly. Big deal. Just kidding. Jeez, man. <laughs> <laughs> though I don't blame them for... Um, Those are some big losses, though. Yeah. Though I don't blame them for losing Tim Hardway. I'm sure that was the hardest one to actually really think about because Tim Hardway was sort of like the younger guy out of all these. Paul Millsap was 32. He was looking to get paid like a a large sum of money. So, but then again, you can't match. Why would you go and match that contract that the New York Knicks gave Tim Hardway? I think that that one's hard to swallow. Oh yeah. Like four years, 71 million, I believe it was. I mean, you might see some potential in a guy, but that's, that's banking a lot on him. Yeah. I don't think the Atlanta Hawks saw that coming in. When it did, they decided, I think they just kind of just decided to just let this team just plummet. Um, so they're dish- <laughs> oh, yeah, I was just going to say, so you're talking earlier about how, um, there's guys that you forget are still in the NBA. Yeah. Mike Dunleavy is one of those guys for oh, me. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did not realize that. He's, yeah. I think like the last I remember about him was he was on the Chicago team with like Derek Rose and Hakeem Noah and them. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. That's the last I remember oh, about man. hearing him. And Ryan Kelly, former <laughs> Laker, I didn't realize that he found his way onto the Atlanta Hawks roster, but, well, he's not there anymore. I barely realized he was gone from the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> didn't even know. <laughs> didn't care. <laughs> yep, just one of those dudes. But additions, uh, Miles Pumley, Marco Bellinelli, Dwayne Dedman, Luke 
Babbitt and Mike <laughs> Muscala. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> similar to the old... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so sad. Yeah, so similar to the Orlando Magic, I think the Hawks are basically... They're, to me, they're just asking for draft picks and they're just going to go through the motions in this NBA season. So they needed 12 guys to fill up their roster spot to make them eligible to play games, obviously. So they brought these they, guys They got in. people. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think this team is trending down, and I have them finishing dead last in the East, basically, which mm-hmm. basically means dead last in the entire NBA. Right, yeah. I, I don't see much happening with this roster, which kind of really sucks because uh, I think there's one guy who actually is a silver lining, and I think that's Dennis Schroeder. I didn't realize that he's only 23 years old. I forgot. I didn't realize how much how young he was. Um, and he actually put oh, up yeah. decent numbers last year, 17.9 points, 49% shooting, and 6.3 assists. So this is That's a, not too bad. That's not bad. This is a guy that can play, and at 23 years old, and with the energy that he goes out and plays with on the both the defensive end and offensive end, I don't see why Dennis Schroeder can't be sort of like a really just like a B-level, B-tier, really good guy, you know, knocking on the door to potentially maybe making – Maybe making that Eastern Conference All Star team, maybe I don't know. Ooh. That's a big goal, but I, that, yeah, that would be crazy. It would be crazy, but I don't see why. Maybe Dennis Schroeder wouldn't have that as one of his goals. And at twenty three, maybe that could happen in four years. Yeah, I mean, he's he's probably their best player. Would you say he's the best player on the Hawks right now? Easily, easily, he's the best player on this team. But the funny thing is, yeah, so, uh, I mean. Yeah. Just to put this into perspective of like how terrible this team actually is, Kent Bazemore is now the highest paid player on this team at $16.9 million. <laughs> and he's not the highest oh, paid player man. because the Atlanta Hawks somehow blackmailed all their star players and convinced them to take <laughs> lower money. No, it's because the talent that's on this team doesn't really call for large salaries. Yeah, so, they just got nothing going on. I remember when the Lakers were rumored to try gr- trying to grab Kent Bazemore. Oh, good thing that they didn't. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though: we could the Lakers could have had Kent Bazemore a couple years ago for a really low price, a lot lower than what the Hawks are paying him him now. Uh, uh, but we decided to not resign him because he was willing to resign for a lower deal. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, I got this team trending down. Last place, um, Dennis Schroeder, silver lining. But there is another guy who's actually pretty decent. Um, and I didn't know much about him, but researching this team, I found out a little bit more about him. It was just John John Collins, the 19th pick out of Wake oh. Forest. So this guy actually balled up in the summer league. So he earned the first team honors, averaging 15.4 points and 9.2 rebounds. Um that's pretty good. So I watched a couple of highlights of this guy. He's a power forward. He's really he's quick with the ball, and the guy's got some ferocious dunks. And he's got a couple of highlights up on YouTube if you look him up. But um, I really I think John Collins could possibly be one of those guys that makes the first team all rookie, and everybody's kind of looking like who who was this guy? <laughs> um, I think he could be like those mid first rounder guys that just sort of. Uh, makes a name for himself in in this league in a couple of years. So I think the Atlanta Hawks got something going with Dennis Schroeder and John Collins, but outside of that, uh, there's not much there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, I like your point about John Collins. Uh, I think on this team, especially he, his 
performances are going to get overlooked because of how bad the team's going to play. Yeah. And kind of similar to uh, how Michael Carter Williams won his rookie of the year playing on the 76ers. Mm-hmm. He was just the best guy in a bad situation. Right. And was given the opportunities. And I can see John Collins in a similar situation. Uh, maybe not necessarily being the best player on the team because Schroeder will probably take that role mm-hmm. um, for what that's worth. But uh, John Collins could carve out a nice little role for himself and he, he might put up some good numbers and make that first all rookie team. And um, that might be the only positive thing that comes out of the season <laughs> for the Hawks. Yeah, it could be. But I guess with that being said, the Atlanta Hawks are at least in a pretty decent position to rebuild. They're, unlike the Brooklyn Nets, they're, they have all their all their draft picks so i guess that's a and they must have lining. a ton of cap space too if that's true Bazemore's the highest paid player like you're talking about guys making like 20 over 20 million like multiple guys on one team making over 20 million if they have their best player making 16.9 million like they must have a lot to work with the cap space is there definitely but historically the atlanta hawks have just always had a tough time signing free agents but yeah who knows? Not, not a place people want to play at. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, if Dennis Schroeder, uh, John Collins, maybe they build a couple na- they build a name for themselves in the next couple of years. Maybe the Atlanta Hawks can build off that. Or maybe we see Dennis Schroeder in trade conversations come mid from <laughs> the trade deadline. Maybe he has Yeah, him. maybe maybe Cleveland gets him for that first rounder if uh, Isaiah Thomas can't play. Yeah, I will say like if Dennis Schroeder like picks up his game, gets closer to twenty points, he might be the best bargain deal on the trade market if you can get him. True. So, I mean, there we go. The South, um, South then Southeast, Southeast Division, the yeah. Southeast Division. I almost forgot. It. I this this like oh. I. It's funny because <laughs> I feel like the storyline for this division is like the Washington Wizards. And then all these teams that had guys on their roster that I did not know still played in the NBA. <laughs> uh, right, yeah, that that was the theme. I totally noticed that. Cool. And, yeah, it's kind of sad. I feel like there's going to be the least amount of stories coming out of this division. Yeah, I agree. So I guess let's go to the things that we break down for every division. We always ask, are there going to be any All-Stars coming out of here? Now we got John Wall. We got Bradley Beal. Um, I think some of the more interesting choices might be um, Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker has a pretty high chance of making it, and Mm -hmm. maybe even Deion Waiters. Yeah. Or could we see something crazy? Maybe Dwight Howard returns to superstar numbers and takes that center position from the all-star selection. (laughs) Anything's possible in the East, I guess. That's a controversial statement there, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Especially out of a Laker fan. Yeah, true. There's definitely a lot of yeah. I'm definitely not gonna bank on that. But do we see the MVP coming out of here? No. Yeah. There's like a zero percent chance. I agree with you. I think the clo- yeah. I was gonna say I think the closest is I think if John Wall can get himself together. I you could say this for anybody, but I think John Wall is the closest guy to maybe potentially making it making being that fifth guy that people talk about. Uh, say mid January or something when you sure. when you do the MVP yeah, power rankings, like, yeah, like he might make All NBA first team. That that would be pretty impressive for him to make. Um, I'd put his Vegas odds at making the all being the All Star like five hundred to one if I was those Vegas odds makers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not too likely. Nah, but out of everybody in this division, I think obviously he's probably the closest. 
But moving on to final thoughts to close this <laughs> close this episode of the Dwight Chocolate Podcast. So last week, LeVar Ball's family reality show series or whatever thing premiered last week. I said I wasn't gonna watch it, but Sean, <laughs> did you just hold true to that? I hold, I held true to that. I did not, oh, be- I did not no. believe the hype. I did not jump on that train. But you, <laughs> did you? You watched it, right, Sean? Yes, I did. I, I watched both episodes. Okay, so yeah. what's your thoughts? Give us a review. Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So the the Ball in the Family uh, reality TV show is exclusively available on the Ball in the Family Facebook page. Uh, awesome what a name <laughs> we have we got about like 20 minutes for each episode um basically just goes over um kind of does a timeline of alonzo's uh, path to making it to the nba draft okay uh, in the first episode and then the second episode kind of went over uh some of the little details of him moving out and getting his own place uh in la and of his his little brother jello they call him Jello, uh, Leangelo. <laughs> oh, Leangelo. <Ball. laughs> yeah, the middle one. I figured yeah, it. They were... there, yeah, there's right. There's Lonzo, Leangelo, and uh, Lamella. Lamella. So they go. Yeah, the Zoe, Jello, and Melo. Okay. That's that's what they call him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got Jello moving into uh, Lonzo's old place in in his apartment in L.A. Uh, they didn't let him live in the dorms because uh, Lavar's very adamant about them not being influenced to go to parties or anything or getting uh distracted from playing basketball oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so they got their own place off off the dorms and um yeah the first episode is kind of just focusing on lonzo a lot uh talking a lot about family of course mm. um there's also some tragedy which i was unaware of oh. uh apparently yeah it was actually kind of sad like i guess the his mom went through a stroke like yeah right so- in may mm-hmm yeah, I, you you probably heard about that. Yeah, I mean, right? I, yeah, I mean, Lavar Ball would kind of hit talk about that a couple times in some of his interviews. But I was just gonna ask. So, what do you think is does this show sort of resemble more like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, or is this kind of more like um sort of like an ESPN sports documentary style thing? So I like I literally have no idea what Keeping Up with the Kardashians is like because oh. I've never I've never let myself watch that show. <laughs> um, but I did watch this one, and I mean I'd liken it to um, almost a propaganda thing in that he's just definitely trying to make his family seem like the best thing out there and that everything they do is correct. Um, but you can pick up on a little, some little things here and there, like, man, like, this is just kind of weird and like, things shouldn't be that way. Yeah. Um, so after, uh, their mom had that stroke, uh, LaVar insisted on not hiring a speech therapist to help her like relearn how to speak. He, so he insisted on doing it himself. It's like, man, how arrogant are you? you? Think you think that you can do better than a, someone that's trained to do speech therapy? It's just, it was very cringy. Oh god, yeah, it was really bad. And then found out that uh, Lonzo has actually been dating this girl for like three years since like high school, and she's like super jealous and yeah very clingy you can definitely tell that she's really worried about him going to the nba and like hanging out with a bunch of superstars and celebrities and stuff (laughs) my gosh what a 
that's just crazy how it just but it does put it into perspective that yeah Lonzo Ball is really just a 19 year old kid who just happens to be really good at basketball but <laughs> right, really yeah. when you take that away he he is he's just a 19 year old kid who is just a young goes through the same thing that any 19 year old would go through it's kind of crazy but I mean I'm not surprised I guess you see that right, type of stuff yeah. on the show <laughs> <laughs> so what's your verdict are you gonna watch yeah, episode yeah, three yeah, but- uh, yeah, I probably will. I'm not hooked on it though. I gotta say, I, I, it wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be. It's it's very like interviewee. Uh, they just have them just talking into a camera a lot of the time. They're not really doing anything exciting. It's just like they're moving. They're moving Lonzo into his new digs in L.A. They're moving his brother into his old apartment, and oh, he has a bunch of laundries that's still there. <laughs> He's so dirty. Like, it, yeah, it just it didn't make for like super interesting TV, but like you could tell they were trying to make it as interesting as possible. But it just it wasn't there. All right, are you? Will, I give, I give it a three point five out of ten. Three point five out of ten. That's terrible. <laughs> that sounds terrible. It wasn't good, man. Oh. Man, it was painful. I had to watch Lonzo's girlfriend cut his steak for him because he couldn't do it himself. Oh god, <laughs> I don't think I want to watch this. Then I mean, if the city of of all Laker fans are putting all their faith into this guy Lonzo Ball, we're seeing him at his worst points at points where he can't <laughs> even cut his own steak. How is he supposed to read a pick and roll? offense when he's on defense or how is he supposed to connect with brandon ingram when he's coming off the curls oh complicated man that's all i can focus on he can't he can't cut his own stick he's got to think about the pick and rolls man he's only got room in his brain for one thing all right well you heard it sean gives it a 3.5 out of 10 (laughs) doesn't sound too good for lavar ball and company but anyways (laughs) let's just to close things off this week in NBA history, we're, I'm gonna try to keep up with this. I'm gonna try to do a this week in NBA history moving forward. But oh, so I like it. Let's see if we can uh, come up with some interesting stuff. But this week, um, the OKC actually revealed the Thunder logo for the first time a couple of years ago, back in 2000, 2011, and wow. which is perfect because next week we will be breaking down the Northwest Division, the first Western Conference division in our NBA preview. So wow. tune in, and one of those teams will be the Oklahoma City Thunder. That was a great transition. Thanks. <laughs> and you, you planned that really well. I did. But this is the next one to clo- to finally. You're, you're going to ruin it with this last point, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> this is to finally just close it off here. Oh. Uh, so JaVel McGee recently posted on Instagram a video of him joking around, um, saying that he was going to sell the Larry O'Brien trophy <laughs> to a local pawn shop. <laughs> I don't know where this was, but he was saying you want. So I don't know what he's doing, but you can check it. Check out his video. Have you seen? Have you checked it out, Sean? I haven't seen that. No. You should check it out. Um, yeah. Is this worth watching right now, or should I? Should I wait? Should I wait till after the podcast? Oh, you can wait till after. But okay. This leads to my interesting question: If Javale McGee were to sell that to the pawn shop, how much do you think he would get for that Larry O'Brien trophy? Well, if this is the Pawn Stars pawn shop, I'd probably not get very much. I'd give him 150. 150? <laughs> yeah, but if this is any other pawn shop, you gotta think that's worth like a million dollars at least. Million dollars at least? Well, get ready. What do you think? Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's what I thought. So you know what I did? I went and actually researched how much the Larry O'Brien trophy is actually worth. 
But mm-hmm. so this is taking into consideration not like any intangible value. This is like the actual intangible value, like the breakdown of the gold and the silver that's used to construct this. Oh, okay. So the Larry O'Brien trophy is actually worth thirteen thousand five hundred dollars. Oh. Wow, that's that's actually a lot. Yeah, I I was kinda like, eh, it's worth so it's worth substantially less than the than the smallest NBA contract out there right now. <laughs> That's a piece of metal, man. I, yeah, I gave it a break. <laughs> the sentimental value is where almost all antiques have value. That's true. But there you go. The Larry O'Brien trophy is worth $13,500. But to close man, it who... off, I'll close it off with JaVel McGee joking about selling this thing. And who would let this man sell that trophy anyway? I don't know. Who does he think he is? I don't know. An NBA champion, I guess? Duh. <laughs> Duh. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to like or follow or subscribe to the Dwight Chocolate Podcast. We'll be coming out with a new episode every week. And thank you to everybody who's been tuning in. Especially a shout out to Runner Marathon who gave us a five star review on iTunes. Yeah, dude, didn't he leave a comment too? That was awesome. Right, he did leave us with a comment. I don't know the exact comment, but hell yeah, kudos to that. Yeah, shout out to you, man. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, thanks, everybody. And I'll leave you with JaVel McGee. <laughs> thanks, guys. Have a good week. See you guys. They give you a smooth five grand. Julie's pawn and sales, huh? <laughs> I got something for you, Julie. 100% gold.